Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Prudential. Prudential believes life is filled with moments that test our courage. Their podcast, Everyday Bravery, celebrates those moments with stories to help you face your own challenges. Subscribe to Everyday Bravery now, wherever podcasts are available. This podcast was recorded live in the Grammy Museum Experience Prudential Center, the first and only experience of its kind on the East Coast, located at 165 Mulberry Street, Newark, New Jersey. For tickets to visit the museum, please visit www.grammymuseumexp.org. This is Leaders Create Leaders, and I'm your host, Gerard Adams. This is a podcast showcasing today's change makers who dedicate themselves to creating the best tomorrow possible with vision, with hustle, and showing up world class. They offer advice, they offer lessons, but most importantly, they offer you their mentorship because leaders create leaders, and leaders are the ones that are impacting our world. Branding is a critical skill that entrepreneurs must learn. It's a part of leverage, and it's a part of broadcasting your skills and talents across business. This week, Leaders Create Leaders explores some unknown for tastemaking and critique, turning their voice and point of view into a product worthy of consumption. Lauren Craig is an author, on-air personality, marketing professional, and the official ambassador of the city of Newark. As Newark's ambassador, Lauren Craig writes monthly blogs for NewarkHappening.com, the official travel and tourism site for the city. Her book, 100 Things to Do in Newark Before You Die, and her latest venture, EWR Brandwater, rebrands Newark as the shining gem of New Jersey, hidden in the heart of the East Coast. Lauren's divine energy and charisma is matched only by her outspoken heart, spirit, and passion. Fresh off an appearance on The Wendy Williams Show, her cadence was not only delightful, but wonderfully replenishing. We presented her with the same question that strikes us with any of our entrepreneurs. Who is Lauren Craig? And how does she go from law to the glam ambassador of Nork, a name with such power, but with a unique distinction? Lauren Craig, an enigma wrapped in a puzzle in cash. <laughs> no, that's a, a Real Housewives tagline, actually. Okay. But um, I am a Jersey girl. I was born and raised in Marstown, New Jersey. Anybody? Marstown? Marstown. Morris County? Yeah, there yes. you go. I knew there had to be one. Um, and I fell in love with Newark, and Newark adopted me. I went to law school here at Rutgers Newark. And yes, yes, absolutely. Yes, um, and really fell in love with the city, and it kind of became a passion of mine to talk about Newark in a positive way, and a lot of people looked at me like I was crazy, because this was, you know, a while ago. Newark has had a bad reputation for reasons we don't know, because we know Newark to be a beautiful city full of beautiful people, amazing, entrepreneurial, creatives. So I kind of sought out to provide that other side of the conversation, like how amazing Newark is, and that's where the Glambassador platform came from. Wow. So what's interesting is before the whole Glambassador, because I want to I definitely touch on that because I've, I've never heard of a Glambassador before. So I love that. So we'll, we'll get into that. But you, you started off as a lawyer. What initially attracted you to a career in law? So my dad's a lawyer. And when I graduated college, I, was, I wanted to be a writer, but I also um, wanted a paycheck. So 
I was like, I need something else on my resume. And I was like, let's take the LSAT, see what happens. And it was all very innocent. I never really like had these big dreams of like being a trial attorney or anything. I was like, I'll just go to law school. And it ends up doing really well. Like, And LSAT's tough too. Yeah, but my... I'm, I'm a great writer and I love to read. So those are kind of the things that you need to succeed in, in law school. Um, so I just kind of got on the track in law school. And then I kind of woke up five years later and I'm like, wait, this is kind of like not what I ever wanted. You know, I wasn't happy. I was working at a firm and um, I just wasn't happy. It wasn't me. Like I couldn't go in there looking like this. Like it was just it wasn't right. So I decided I needed to, for me, happiness is very much at a premium. Um, and so when I wake up and I'm excited to wake up and go to work, that's success to me. Yeah, I love that. I think that hit home, it really hits home for me. And I think for a lot of millennials right now and, and really just in general, you know, people of all ages, you know, really thinking about what is fulfillment? You know, Tony Robbins said it best, you know, success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure. And, you know, that really hit home for me. And I think there's a lot of people out there that they get caught in that system. You know, they get caught in what society tells them is the right thing to do. And they kind of just go forward with it, you know, and the next thing you know, they're doing something for a living that truly they're not happy about. And they're not progressing. So, I mean, that must have been tough. Like, talk me through that moment when you really, truly realized this wasn't the path for you. You actually, you, you did, a, you did something a lot of people never accomplished. They want to become a lawyer, but I know that is not easy. So it's like, that's a sense of accomplishment. You know, that really is amazing. It must've been tough for you to say, okay, I'm actually going to throw that side of it away and really change paths. It was tough. Um, I did work at it for a long time. I was a lawyer for 10 years and it just got to the point. I was always doing other things. Like I was a fashion blogger. I was, you know, doing fashion week and I was hosting events. I always had my little side hustles, but I was having a conversation with my sister who's um, like a life coach type. And we were just talking about, she was talking about inspired action. And cause I was kind of feeling down. I was, I was feeling like, not happy, unfulfilled. And it just was making me feel bad about myself. Even though I was living a beautiful life, I had a really lovely apartment. Everything was going well on the outside, but inside I just wasn't feeling right. So she was talking about inspired action and like, don't do anything that you're not inspired to do, which is kind of like a revolutionary concept. That might mean saying no to going to your family reunion that you're supposed to go to. You know what I mean? It, it might not make people happy when you're only doing things that are inspiring to you. But when you make that choice and you choose you, magical things start to happen. So that's what I kind of did. And I said, in order for me to be doing only what I'm inspired to do, I have to leave this legal career. And so I called my boss and I was like, he knew like he, he, you know, once you work with someone for a while and, you know, I'm, I'm me, I, I don't really turn this off. So he kind of expected, he was like, all right, so you're done with this. And I was like, yeah, I'm done. So I, you know, took a huge pay cut. I started working at Rainbow Shops, writing for their fashion website. And that's how I kind of like kept my lights on while I pursued my dreams of being a writer. Lauren's direction after college mirrors what a lot of today's college graduates go through a sudden career change. In most scenarios, students tend to dedicate four, sometimes five years to finding a job that matches their degree, to suddenly either find their major isn't what they expected or their passion for it has since diminished. Luckily, Lauren was able to fall back on her amazing writing talent and launch herself into the limelight as Newark's Glambassador. Break that down to me, like what is a Glambassador? (laughs) 
<laughs> well, it's a totally made up term, okay. but um, the mayor is now saying it. So that's it's official, guys. That's how we know. Official. Yes, it started about five years ago. I started working for the uh, Tourism Bureau, which is Newark Happening, and I was writing blogs and I'm calling myself the Glambassador of Newark, kind of this ambassador type of person that's shining a light on the glamorous, fabulous parts of Newark that people don't hear about. And so that's where the Glambassador title came from. Very tongue in cheek at first, but now it's like on my official bio <laughs> resume. And so it's really fun. I have a good time with it. But it's more about just the serious aspect of it is changing the conversation around Newark. And we're actually making a lot of headway, especially with the Amazon project, um, looking at bringing Amazon here. As you know, Newark is now being hailed as a tech, you know, and arts and culture. All the things that I've been working for, I think are kind of, they're kind of happening. And Newark is becoming this tourist destination that I don't think anybody saw coming. So it's really exciting. You know, I can really relate to the story of how the Clambassador uh, brand came about and how you positioned yourself. And I think there's a real lesson there to be learned on how you position your brand, because this is something that I did, you know, and, and, you know, I, I decided, okay, I, mentorship is so important to me. I've had mentors throughout my entire life from my parents to then, you know, entrepreneurs to billionaires at this point. And, and I'm continuing to seek out mentorship. And I said, you know, I really want to be a millennial mentor, you know? And I was like, I'm going to trademark that, you know? <laughs> and I think, you know, there's a moment where something kind of clicks and you, you run with it. And it's the same thing with even when I came up with this name, leaders create leaders mm -hmm. and you run with it. And now, you know, Inc. Magazine has called me the millennial mentor. You have entrepreneur, you have Forbes. And I think that there's something there with taking initiative and don't worry so much about what other people think. If it's innate in you, bring that out of you. Feel confident about it and really position your brand. So talk to me about why Newark. Newark, oh, it's just, I was so frustrated with the conversation around Newark, knowing what I knew of Newark. And a lot of people that I, I feel like a lot of the press that was happening, you would only see stories about the crimes that were occurring in Newark. And I'm just like, Newark is like any other city, you know, there's the good, the bad, but mostly there's amazing things happening. I wanted to introduce people to all the things that were really going on. And I'm just like a positive person like that. I'm always going to be looking for the positive story. So I was like, I'm going to be this person that's going to shine a light on Newark. And we all know how great Newark is. Everybody seems like, especially since I wrote the book, I have all these people. They're like, oh my God, my grandmother grew up in Newark. Oh, I went to school in Newark. There's, everybody has like a Newark story. So it's like they're coming out of the woodwork now saying, and there's this Newark pride, you you know, that's really exciting. There's a Newark pride. How many of y'all feel like there's there's someone in your family from Newark? Like someone's got a story <laughs> from Newark, right? I mean, I've traveled all over the world. And if I drop Newark, it's like that that Newark comes out like, oh, okay, Newark. Like, oh, okay. N-O-R-K. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. You know, I, I really respect you as well because you, you just mentioned it, but you published a book about a year ago, a hundred things to do in Newark before you die. And I think that that was very intentional. It was bigger than you it was for this city. Talk to me a little bit about that process, because I, that's the process I'm going through now with writing my first book with leaders, create leaders. So, you know, it's a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a scary, you know, new chapter, but um, I'm excited about it. So talk to me a little bit about what that was like to publish your first book. Wow. I'm excited for you. That's going to be really you. cool. Um, it happened so quickly. 
through Newark Happening that I write blogs for, the publisher, they do this 100 Things series around the country. And they were looking for to do Newark. I guess they saw Newark was on the come up. They were, they were on top of it. So the Tourism Bureau recommended me and they said, okay, well, we want you to write the book. I was like, whoa, okay, I'll do that. And uh, it just so happened to, it came out this time last year, July 15th, and it came out right as people were looking for stories about 50 years past the Newark Rebellion. So it got such amazing press because everybody was looking at Newark right then anyway. So it was just, it was like kismet. So I was able to be written up in like the New York Times, U.S. News and World Report, you know, Amtrak Magazine, like all these people. And it was like really cool and exciting. So it's still out, 100thingsnewark.com and Amazon. Yeah. So tell us, uh, what are some of the rarest places that we should all go visit in Newark? Give us some of the juice. Well, this is one of them. So you've already checked that off your 100 Things Newark bucket list. This is very amazing space um, that I'm super excited to have in, in Newark. And more people should come here, definitely. So this made it into my book. Thank God it had just opened. But there's actually some really cool new spaces that didn't make my book that just opened in like the past year. One um, is Marcus BMP. I love that restaurant. Okay. Who's been there? Marcus Samuelson's new restaurant is delicious. Have the octopus i had that the other night it was amazing and uh also there's a new boutique hotel downtown called the trip by Wyndham. gorgeous gorgeous new hotel they have yes we have to have drinks there it's really nice and then um also there's this new um it's called the fairmount switching station it's in the fairmount section of newark and uh actually PSENG, it's a huge like structure but instead of it being like a huge ugly structure in the middle of a neighborhood they partnered with all sorts of artists around the city and they made, turned it into an art wall so all around is filled with art and it's a really beautiful structure the the architecture is the same man who did the uh, Smithsonian African American Museum in DC. So it's a beautiful structure. Lauren has expanded into many ventures and thus wears various hats to reflect those ventures. As she works to build up her brand as a writer and novelist, Lauren also branded something essential to life and put her own glamour spin into it. So in my nine to five life, I'm the marketing manager for Newark Arts, which is the Arts Council. And so then I'm also ambassador. have the book. I also have a bar crawl. It's called Brown Girls Bar Crawl, um, which is a lot of fun. And then I'm starting this new women's empowerment movement on dating called I Am The Table. So we'll talk about that. But <laughs> so in terms of focus, though, because this is hard for me, right? I, I love to be working on different projects all at one time. Right. But one of my mentors actually told me the other day, she kind of got me together. She was like, you really need to do a mind map, you know, so put yourself in the middle here, branch out all your different projects and then break each of those projects down into all the different things that you need to do. And then a timeline and a budget. And those last two, those are the hard part. (laughs) It's like I can put all the ideas out and ideating is a lot of fun. But then you have to get down to the nitty gritty of like, by when are you going to do this? What is your next five years look like? What's the budget attached? Who can you get to help you? What's your team look like? And so I think those are the questions I'm really struggling with now and grappling with because I definitely need a team. You know, everybody needs a team. You understand. So I think that helps. But it starts with the ideation process and then going all the way through the budget. So and, and you also have the EWR yes, order. So you really, have, you really have a lot of these a lot of these ventures. 
really amazing, you know, really becoming the go-to H2O of Newark. Um, I think there's a couple lessons there because, you know, I'm a serial entrepreneur. So I've built over 12 businesses, many of them over seven figures in revenue. Um, And it's really tough a lot of times to manage and talk to all of those different entrepreneurs and manage all those different businesses. And it's something that I've actually struggled with in my career. I think there's a real lesson there in actually taking some time to really pause and really write it out, like get that vision and really organize yourself. Like you said, put it in the middle. So for those that have different ideas, whether it's whether whether ideas or they're actually your projects, take some time to do the mind map, put yourself down, write them out, make a timeline. What are the different milestones and goals that you need to have for those businesses? What are the budgets and really start to reverse engineer the success that's needed for those companies. And the next lesson that you just talked about there is like, it's about the team. I owe all my success from my team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's really, you know, there's that term self-made, but no one's really truly self-made. You need to have a team. I just want to take a high time view of what can we learn from the fact of you need a support system. Yes. So Lauren, you, you will be mentioning her new woman's dating movement, I Am The Table. Yeah. And this is an interesting, I want to talk about that and how it all came to fruition. Um, but this, this all happened on the Wendy Williams show. So let's talk about that a little bit. Yes. So I just went to Wendy to sit in the audience and, you know, just be quiet and be cute. That's all I went to do. But what happened was they asked you to fill out an Ask Wendy form, you know, for her Ask Wendy segment. And I was like, well, if I'm here, of course, I'm going to ask something a little controversial so I can get on the mic because that's what I do. So <laughs> so my question was, um, uh, Wendy, I first you all you have to do the how you doing? You have to, like, they force you to do that part. And then it was like, I only date wealthy men. My, I have friends that judge me for that. Am I, should I lower my standards? That was basically the question. So she said, what do you have to offer? So my response was, when people ask me what I bring to the table, I say, I am the table. Ooh. All right. But the all audience right. did. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. But Wendy was not happy with that answer. She would not take that answer. She was basically like, she Barbara Walters me. She's like, no, I want a serious answer. And I was like, wow, I thought this was Ask Wendy. I didn't know we were like doing a serious like thing here. But that's a great see, this is leverage. Right. So but as soon as she asked me that, so I was like, wow, she's giving me a platform now. So I'm like, well, I'm the ambassador of Newark and I wrote a book called 100 Things to Do in Newark Before You Die. Amazon.com. Right. Exactly. (laughs) It went into my whole spiel. And so that after that, I kind of blacked out because I was like, wow, I just did that. Like, that was amazing. But the the reaction afterwards was what made me really want to talk to women about dating and standards and why how it's okay as a woman to have requirements about who you're going to date. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. But Wendy wanted me to settle. She, she definitely wanted me to settle. Well, I definitely agree with you should never lower your standards. Thank you. And period, you know, Thank and you, you should have, you should have high standards and I, I like to call it world-class. Okay. To tell be, me more. To, to be amongst the best and to be at the highest caliber that you can possibly be for yourself first. Absolutely. Let's talk about some of the hard lessons that you learned, especially around financial wellness as an entrepreneur. 
Yes, I have many of those. I'm still learning. <laughs> um, actually, uh, about six or seven years ago, I had an art gallery in Newark, in the Lincoln Park section of Newark. And the <laughs> difference between my feelings now and how I handled that then was I did not plan at all. It was one of those things where we got an opportunity to have this space. I come from an art background. My family has had a African-American art show in uh, Marstown for like 25 years. So we got an opportunity to have like this pop-up space in Newark. And I was like, yes, I can run an art gallery. But I just, and I just started programming it, but I never took that time to sit back and be like, wow, what's the business plan about? Like, how am I going to keep these lights on? Like, what's the timeline? Who do I need to partner with? Do I need a board of directors? Like, these are all the things that instead of doing that, I just kind of like started. And then when you start like that, there's some magic in starting like that because we were successful for what we did. But then it was just a map. I was kind of like, Floating. I was in every day. I was just trying to keep my head above water instead of having a real plan of action and a plan moving forward. So we were open for a year and then I was like, okay, this is fun, guys, but uh, I'm not going to be able to fund this anymore. So I would say that was a hard lesson because, you know, I really loved that space. I loved being able to like be a gallerist. That was cool, you know, and all that stuff. And I made wonderful contacts still that I that I use to this day. Um, but I would have done it a lot different. And I would have taken that time to mind map the thing out and really have a business plan. Um, it's so important. You really you have to do that not so fun stuff in order to get to the fun stuff. Wow. Three really important lessons there. And one, I think, is something that I relate to, which is sometimes you when you have a vision, you just got to you got to take action. So I think that that's something I really want to say that I commend you for. You're a go getter like art gallery, water, book, like you're a go getter. And, you know, if you're like that in life and you're go and you're someone who takes action, you're going to be successful. But then the other side of it on the lesson that is really important that we all need to really think about is the financial planning aspect, mm -hmm. both personally and professionally for your business. You need to take the time. And if you're not great at it, then bring someone on your team to work with you on that and really study it and research that aspect of it because you won't create a sustainable business and then it won't last. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, I think that's uh, that's something that I definitely have gone through and faced in my life. And, and last but not least, you got to go through these things. Each and every one of us have to go through these things. You do not, I've interviewed so many successful people in this world, way more successful than I am. And each and every one of them has had struggle, has hit rock bottom, has, has even the president of our United States has gone bankrupt. We have all gone, gone through things like that. So I think you, you go through life and you, you know, you have to be willing to have that mindset to get through it and realize that in life there's the ups and the downs. And as long as you realize that if you never give up, you will not fail. Yes. Learn and then they it. say about failing up. I That's totally right. believe in that. Yes. I've done a lot of failing and hopefully mostly up. Um, but it's, there's always a lesson in it, you know, um, and I just stay positive and motivated. And I, yeah, there's just something about me that always wants to conquer that next goal. So I think that keeps me positive, but failing up. Yes. I love that. I love that. Lauren's work ethic has revitalized so many different possibilities for Nork. Her knowledge of what makes Nork a special thing, along with her knowledge of what makes her so great, has allowed her to innovate in places where people just don't see. 
When we return from our brief break, Lauren goes into detail about how her products relate to the specific specialties and values of Nork and how it positions Nork's narrative into something both innovative and reflective. When people think of Nork, they don't think of spring water, except in my family. <laughs> what inspired you to create the EWR brand water and tell us the story behind the label? Yes. So actually, Newark is a water town. A lot of people don't realize that, but Newark has great water historically. That's why we became a beer town, because everybody wanted to come and use the water. Mm. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so it's kind of like an homage to that. Um, we should start a beer, too. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Let's talk. Darling. EWR uh, yes. Brewery. Yes. <laughs> I like it. You like it? Uh, so, um, yes. So, yeah, um, what we wanted to do was we wanted to have an homage to Newark's water history, but also talk about and promote Newark's brand. So, of course, we have it's called EWR, which is a reference to our airport, mm -hmm. which is one of our top attractions. I think it's the third highest grossing airport in the country or something crazy wow. like that. We got to get we got to get that deal done. I know, right? So, and then it has um, a lot of different Newark attractions on it, NJPAC, Portugal Festival. So it's kind of like a way um, to keep attractions in Newark on top of people's minds and have somebody pick it up and, oh, like, oh yeah, like I need to go to the Prudential Center. So yeah, and it's also just great water. So Fantastic. Um, thank you. And so it's I it's really a way, um, it goes back to the Glambassador brand and just wanting to shine a light on Newark and remind people the amazing things that we have going on here and make sure people don't forget it. I absolutely love it. And you know what? It's not easy. The fact that she was able to pick that up. I mean, can I, can I see that? Yeah. This was an idea. Do you know how many people have an idea and they, they, a lot of times they, they die with those ideas. There's a lot of rich people in the ground, but you made it a reality. You're going out there. You're making it happen. You're believing in yourself. You're impacting our community. Let's give it up for Lauren Craig, y'all. Thank you so much. And I just want to say one thing I forgot. There's a charitable aspect to the water as well. We're giving five cents from every bottle sold to the Covenant House, which is um, supports homeless youth here in the city. So social impact. Thanks. Love it. Well, leaders, that's our show. Again, special thanks to our sponsors at Prudential and the Grammy Museum Experience Prudential Center for their wonderful help in bringing the Leaders Create Leaders event series and podcast to life. Make sure you go to lclnork.com. That's lclnork.com for more details on where you can find this episode and many more exciting things to come, especially some of the future episodes that are about to drop. This has been your host, Gerard Adams, representing Leaders Create Leaders. We'll see you next time. Sponsored by the Prudential Insurance Company of America, Newark, New Jersey.